Hello, you are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Isometry by Syntax 6 on Omniscribe. Rating Explicit. Chapter 10. Friday evening found him wandering the apartment. Crackling with so much static energy, it was a miracle he didn't stick to the walls. He kicked the basketball across the floor, and it bounced off the shelves that housed the fish tank. Sorry about that, he told the fish as they jumped. They answered with swishing tails, moving to hide behind the Aquaman bubbler. He heaved a sigh and plopped onto the couch. My life can't be this lame. Even the fish have better things to do. At that moment, the phone rang. He was tempted to let the machine pick it up. What if it was another offer for cheesesteaks and video games? But decided to answer. He had to eat anyway, and Lord knew the wizened orange and curdled milk in the fridge weren't going to satisfy. Yeah, he said to the phone. This is Fox Mulder. Fox, hi, it's Miranda. He set forward at the warm tone of her voice. Uh, hi, Miranda. I didn't catch you at a bad time, did I? I hadn't heard from you in a while and wanted to know how things are going. I'm in town, believe it or not. The library just kicked me out for the night. Apparently, one is supposed to have better things to do with one's time on a Friday night than sit in the stacks. Not me. He looked around the dusty apartment, as if checking for hidden cameras. Was this the way they ran these conversations now? Jump right in with librarian line? So, she said, how are you? I'm good. Good, he paused. You? Teaching is running me ragged, but I'm okay. Listen, if you're not busy, you want to get together for a quick drink? He scratched his head, trying to figure out what he'd done to deserve such personal attention. How much would this cost me? Miranda sounded both puzzled and amused. It can be my treat. Well, it wasn't like he wanted to sit around all night painting his toenails, and Scully had sure blown him off but good. How much could it hurt to go out with Miranda and see what happened? You know a place called Black Tulip, he asked? Never heard of it. It's not far from here. From my place, I mean. I can give you easy directions, and we can meet, say, in an hour. That sounds fine. He hung up the phone and tapped the cold glass of the fish tank. Ha ha, you suckers. I'm going out after all. An investigation of his wardrobe revealed an impressive lack of color. So he made the most of monochrome and opted for a gray t-shirt and jeans. After a quick shower, he slipped them on and patted his face. Better shave. Who knew what the night might hold? When he had finished, he rooted around in the medicine cabinet and unearthed a bottle of aftershave that probably came of age during the Reagan administration. He uncapped it and took a cautious sniff. The scent of fermented cloves assaulted his nose, and he quickly screwed the lid back into place. Ah, naturel, he decided, checking the mirror one last time. After all, he was one damn fine-looking man. He waited on the plush red carpet, idly running his hand down the smooth mahogany wall until someone tugged on his sleeve. Hey there, said the same voice from the phone. He turned and managed to hold back his instinctive wolf whistle. Agent Fox Mulder might have an ancient apartment and losers for friends, but he must have been doing something right to merit phone calls from a woman like this. Her dark eyes crinkled with her smile 
and her hair smelled like summer rain. When she gave him a brief hug, her breasts brushed his arm. Hi, he said, but it came out in two syllables. Miranda didn't seem to notice because she was too busy examining the decor. It wasn't the usual bar scene, he acknowledged. He'd selected it for its cozy half-moon booths and live torch song music. This is an interesting choice for a drink, Miranda commented as she handed her coat to be checked. You don't like it? It's fine. I'm just surprised you picked it. That's all. And what kind of place were you expecting? She smiled, teasing. Someplace with more lighting? Eddie felt his hopes fall to his shoes again. So Mulder wasn't nailing this one either. Miranda met his eyes and Eddie favored her with his best shy smile. Chin down, head slightly to the side. It must have worked because she smiled again and grabbed his hand. I think I see a free table, she said, and led the way. Things were looking up. He slid around the booth to sit right next to her, and if this move was odd, she didn't seem to notice. She ordered red wine, and he opted for beer. So, he said, as he gathered a fistful of pretzels. You said the teaching has been hard lately. She groaned and leaned her head on the table. The server that holds the class notes keeps crashing, so the students are beating down my door about our midterm. My overhead projector is broken, so I have to lug one back and forth across campus three times a week. And Jason Randall? Fox? I may have to kill him. You have any good suggestions on how to get away with murder? Eddie considered the question. Well, covering up a death, sure, but murder was never his bag. What did this punk do? He's driving me crazy. You're lucky he didn't come for your lecture. That's part of his problem, actually. He's on academic probation and in danger of flunking. So two months into the course, he's finally bothering to show up for the class. But instead of paying attention, he's reading the paper, not doing the crossword subtly on his desk. No, he's got both arms out, the paper high in the air. She demonstrated for him. What nerve, said Eddie, leaning closer to her. What did you do to the kid? She sighed. I tried ignoring him, since it was clear he wanted attention, but it was distracting to me and the rest of the class. Finally, I asked him to leave, saying that my lecture must be disrupting his reading time. The little bleep lowered his paper and said that no, I wasn't a problem. He didn't. He did. And then he went right back to reading. So I walked up, took the paper, folded it in half, and told him he misunderstood. It was either the paper or the class. He could either stop reading or leave the room, she smiled. He stopped reading. Go, girl. Eddie held up his hand for a high five, which Miranda returned. He held on when she would have pulled away and swept his thumb over her knuckles. I bet you're a great teacher. She gave him a curious look and tugged her free hand. On some days, maybe. It just hasn't been my week. He propped his chin on his hand. Did you always want to teach? Actually, no. She sipped her wine. When I was little, I wanted to be a deep sea diver like Jacques Cousteau. Too many hours of my youth spent reading National Geographic, I guess. I was fascinated by all the life going on under the water where we can't see it. Fish are great, aren't they? I have some. Really? I love fish. Her eyes lit up. What kind are they? He wrinkled his brow trying to remember. A blue one and a yellow one? She shook her head. Hopeless. Just hopeless. 
Well, perhaps I can meet them someday, and we can figure it out then. Sensing his opening, Eddie slid an inch closer. He ran his finger down her thigh. I can show you now if you like. Miranda squirmed under his touch. Fox. Yes. I thought we agreed we weren't going to do this. Eddie had made no such agreement, so he continued tracing a figure-eight pattern on her knee. Hell, she hadn't hauled off and slapped him, so maybe there was still a chance. Maybe we should reconsider. Wouldn't want to make any hasty decisions before exploring. His hand crept higher. All our options. Her lips parted, and she still hadn't pulled away. I don't understand, she said. What about Scully? Hmm? He was focused on her thick, dark lashes. Your partner. The edge in her voice jolted him, and he paused to reconsider his afternoon interactions with Agent Scully. Polite distance, pure professionalism. She'd barely glanced at him when she dashed off to spend a rapturous evening with her monograph. Definitely no action going on there. Scully and I aren't involved. That's not the point. This time she did pull away. Eddie hung his head inside. I really think you've got the wrong idea, he said. I don't think Scully even likes me. No, apparently you have the wrong idea. You already admitted you have feelings for her. Instead of dealing with that, you're sitting here trying to feel me up. I don't know what you're even thinking. Did you really expect me to be your plaything while you sit around and make up your mind about Scully? God. She set her napkin on the table and then dug around for her wallet. This is a mistake. Maybe my mistake was thinking this was a manageable situation. Miranda, wait. I don't think so. Good night, Fox. She slipped a 20 under the edge of her half-finished wine. Enjoy your drink. She left without another word, and Eddie leaned back in the booth. So, that was the missing piece of the puzzle. Mulder was pining for his partner, who didn't appear to be aware of the situation. Yet another hen the fox had failed to nab. Well, he could fix that. Eddie downed the foamy dregs of his beer and licked his lips. The hunt was on. She wasn't supposed to mix alcohol with her medications. But from the way Mulder sat perched on the very periphery of her sofa, she guessed that the slenderest rejection might send him scurrying away. And she was too curious about his sudden appearance to let him escape that easily. So she poured. We never really talk much, do we? She handed him a glass. You mean like really talk? No. No, we don't, Mulder. Well, what's stopping us? He gave her a winsome smile, which she returned with faint puzzlement. When he reached for the glass, she tried to get a look at the lump on his head. Perhaps his encounter with Van Blunt had addled him more deeply than he admitted. I don't know. There's always a case to discuss. There's no case now. Well, there's Van Blunt, she said. He's still on the loose. Mulder shifted uncomfortably. Forget about him for now. He's hardly worth wasting Friday night in a bottle of wine on, is he? Scully gave a short nod of assent. I guess not. She took a careful sip of her wine. Either her months of prohibition had rendered her a cheap date, or Mulder had picked out a good bottle. Her taste buds leapt and danced. She allowed herself a large draught, letting the warm, tart flavor fill her whole mouth before swallowing. So then, she said, what did you want to talk about? He shrugged. I don't know. Anything? I was looking around our office this afternoon, and let's face it, we've done some pretty weird shit over the years. Me? 
I'm obviously in it for the aliens, but... Scully choked on her wine, and Mulder's look flashed to concern. You all right? Fine, fine, she cleared her throat. You were saying? I guess I'm just curious about where your wall is. My wall? Yeah, I've got all these pictures and photos, Bigfoot sightings, flying saucers, a newspaper article about some guy who eats livers for a living. You've just got a table with some books on it. Scully frowned. And you're just now noticing this? He shrugged again. Well, yeah. I just got to wondering what's in it for you. We've been together a lot of years, and I don't know that I've ever asked. And so that's why you've come over at, she checked, 9.30 on a Friday night, to ask? He nodded and gave her that goofy smile again. She shook her head. Okay. She took a deep breath and settled back on the couch cushions, tucking her stocking feet beneath her. He was still gazing at her, and she felt herself grow warm under his gaze. Or maybe it was the wine. But she was quite sure she'd never previously experienced such a prolonged, intense bout of interest from him. I'm... I'm not sure what to say. Obviously, I think the work we do is important, and I find it personally challenging. Personally challenging, Mulder repeated, as he mimicked her pose on the couch. Hmm. He seemed to be waiting for her to elaborate. She straightened up and tried again. Medical school was rewarding enough, but I wanted to keep pushing my limits. The X-Files had given me a unique way to apply and extend my scientific training while still preserving the aspect of public service. Service, he said, nodding. Right. She sighed and picked up her wine glass from the coffee table. Okay, Mulder, the thing of it is, I grew up following a prescribed path and never much deviated from the choices others made for me. I went to school, made good grades, and knew one day I would be a doctor. Everyone knew it. By the time I was 12, the whole family spoke as if it were a signed and sealed decision. And I? I just put one foot in front of the other and never questioned it. Until later. Right. For once, I started looking at where my path was heading and asking myself if it was what I truly wanted. I realized I wanted just one thing in my life to be unexpected. I chose the FBI, and my family was, to say the least, shocked. But more than that, I surprised myself. Then the X-Files came along, and I took the assignment thinking it would be a temporary laugh, good for a few party stories and nothing more. Instead, I found the chance to work in realms of science I never dreamed possible. I surprised myself every day, sometimes every minute with the things I learned and the choices I make. So that's why you've stayed, he said. The surprise. Yes, in a way, she hesitated. I like that every day is a mystery. I like who I am when I'm working on the X-Files. I like who I am when I'm with you. She covered her confession by taking a long swallow of wine. When he didn't say anything in response, she dared to peek at him over the rim of her glass. He smiled. To mystery, he said, holding out his goblet. He kicked the door of his boiler room prison and hollered as best he could for help. But Mulder, who was more than skin deep, had worn his vocal cords down to a thread. Help, he croaked. Anyone. Large, wet circles had seeped into his shirt from his efforts. The cramped room, with its stifling temperature and recirculated air, had squeezed every drop of moisture he had. 
His swollen throat ached for relief, but there was no way he was going to drink the crappy orange soda Eddie had so thoughtfully provided. With his luck, it was probably drugged. Damn it. He kicked the door three times in quick succession. Hey in there, an older man with drooping cheeks and gold-rimmed glasses appeared in the door's tiny window. What are you doing? I'm FBI, he told the man. I've been locked in. Can you help me? Sure, sure. Mulder heard the jangling of keys on the other side. Damn, if I hadn't seen near everything now, what the hell were you doing down here in the first place? He opened the door, and Mulder walked out into the larger, cooler space. Thank you, he said again. The man stared at him, blinking in quick, owlish fashion. There's a water fountain around the corner. You look like you could use it. Mulder took him up on the offer and drank for at least one straight minute. The janitor watched with naked apprehension. How long have you been down here anyway? Mulder wiped his mouth with his sleeve, noting the time his watch as he did so. About seven hours. Listen, there is a man running around here who looks exactly like me. Have you seen him? Nah, but I just came on shift about half an hour ago. Is he the fellow that locked you up? He's the one. The little fucker had taken his cell phone too. Mulder fought the urge to kick something again. And now I've got to figure out where he went. The man stroked his chin in contemplation. Well, if he's a criminal, you ought to consider his M.O. What's his modus operandi? Because that always seems to work on my programs. They get the guy every time. Mulder raked his hand through his hair, gesturing a zillion dark spikes on top of his head. He started down the corridor with the janitor trailing after him. Yeah, well, this guy makes himself look like women's husbands and knocks them up. I'm not married. The janitor was non-pulsed. Well, how about a girlfriend? Nope. Mulder didn't slow down. No women in your life at all? The man sounded sad for him. Listen, do you have a phone around here someplace? I really need to call. No woman at all. Mulder stopped dead in his tracks. Scully. Scully's bones were warm and loose, filled with wine, firelight, and Mulder's teasing conversation. She sank deeper into the cushions and twirled the burgundy liquid in her glass. I can't believe I'm telling you this. I can't believe you haven't told me before. You never asked, she thought, but said nothing. The roaring fire made his eyes seem dark and bottomless. I'm seeing a whole new side of you, Mulder. Is that a good thing? Surely for one evening she could believe that this was her life. She could allow herself to notice the way the couch seemed curved to fit his body, and the walls came alive to the sound of his voice. I like it. Do you ever wish things were different? What do you mean? The person you wanted to be when you grew up. When you were in high school, how far off did you end up? Career-wise, miles off target. Not just that. Mulder moved a little closer to her on the couch. Do you ever wish you could go back and do it all over again? She thought she'd answered this one with the time travel discussion, so her brow crinkled in confusion. Do you? He set aside his wine glass and started crawling over the couch towards her. Scully almost asked him what the hell he was doing, but something inside her silenced the question. She froze. Mulder kept coming closer, and she could feel her ears grow warm. He wasn't, was he? He was. Oh, God. 
He angled his head so that their mouths were even with one another. His breath tickled her face with the sweet smell of wine. Scully dug her fingers into the couch cushions, poised for flight. Do I want this? Do I? Do I? The question pounded with her heartbeat. Slowly, Mulder closed the distance between their lips. She could almost taste him. Decide. Decide. Yes or no. Now or never. Her heart stopped inside her chest. Just then, the front door crashed open, and the Mulder population in her living room doubled. The second Mulder staggered into the room, clearly out of breath. Scully gasped and leapt from the couch. The last time her life had contained two simultaneous Mulders, she'd ended up rearranging a coffee table with her face. What? The Mulder on the couch sighed, and before her eyes, he melted into Eddie Van Blunt. Scully glared at him in horror, but he merely shrugged. Scully, are you okay? Mulder touched her arm. What the hell is going on here? He jumped me at the hospital and locked me in the boiler room. Outside, a distant siren was closing in on our neighborhood. That'll be the boys in blue, Mulder told Eddie. They'll escort you to your new accommodations. Scully covered her face with her hands. Mulder, I, I can't believe this. You've been in the boiler room since this afternoon. Sad to say. You sure you're all right? She put her hands down. Yes, I'm all right. Embarrassed, angry, the things she had told him, the way he had looked at her, all time he'd been playing her for a fool. She felt her face flushing hot, this time not from pleasure. Mulder was still regarding her intently, and she turned away. God, what had he seen? What he must think? Her humiliation was now complete. The uniformed cops appeared in her doorway. This the boy? One of them asked, nodding at Eddie. Mulder said that it was. Scully swallowed hard. I'll just... She smoothed her pants with her hands, still not meeting Mulder's gaze. I'm going to just be in the other room. You can show yourself out. Scully, wait. She did not turn around. It was stupid, she knew, but everything had happened so fast and she felt like her whole evening was still written across her face. The wine, her silly stories, his tentative approach for the kiss, and, God, most of all, she didn't want him to see her answer. Yes. Mulder yanked Eddie from Scully's couch and handed him over to the uniform cop. Get him out of here. Eddie went willingly enough, but he turned to give Mulder a pity look. Being you isn't as much fun as I thought it would be. What a waste. Two beautiful women, and you can't make anything happen with either one. Disgusted, Mulder waited for the cops to take Eddie away. He cast a look at the direction Scully had gone wondering again if she were all right. He had a flash of Eddie leaning over her, practically on top of her, and he clenched his fist. Then a sudden thought occurred to him. Hey, he said, jogging for the door. Hey, wait. The cops with Eddie stopped down the hall. Mulder walked towards them. What do you mean, two beautiful women? Eddie blinked, the picture of innocence. Scully and Miranda. They'd both go for it, you know, if you... Shut up. What did you do to Miranda? Nothing. Mulder shoved himself between the cops and Eddie. Tell me. Nothing. She shot you down. Are you happy now? Fuck, said Mulder, twisting away. He walked back down the hall towards Scully's apartment. Scully. Scully. She poked her head around the corner. What is it? It sounds like he got to Miranda, too. Oh, God, not. You don't think he... I hope not. Sounds like no. But I should go make sure she's all right. 
This is not a conversation I want to have over the phone. She hugged herself. No, of course not. You sure you're okay? Mulder, just go, all right. He fleeced me like he got everyone else, but there's no permanent damage done. Except Mulder thought as he left. Maybe to my heart. He rang the bell half a dozen times before Miranda appeared in the doorway, squinting at him under the porch light. She yawned and frowned. What are you doing here? She asked through the screen door. I need to talk to you. Miranda made no move to let him inside. It's late. Besides, I think we said enough for one night. That's why I need to talk to you. The man you saw earlier wasn't me. She put her hand on the door, as if to close it. No, wait. It really wasn't me. It was someone pretending to be me. If you'll let me in, I can explain. Miranda rubbed her eyes. Fox, I don't have the stamina for this kind of nonsense right now. Go home, okay? Please, he said, reaching for the door. Just hear me out. Fine, she sighed. You have five minutes. The screen door banged behind him as he entered, but Miranda blocked him from going any further into the hall. We can talk here. They stood near the clanking radiator as Mulder gave her a fast five minutes on the life and times of Eddie Van Blunt Jr. We think it's abnormal musculature that allows him to pull this off, he finished. Miranda blew out a long breath. That's quite a fish story you have there, Agent Mulder. But I guess it would explain why you were not quite yourself. You can ask Scully if you don't believe me. We arrested him at her place tonight. Oh, Miranda startled. Oh dear, is she okay? I think that might have been my fault that he went over there. I'm the one who mentioned her name. She's fine. It's okay. He cleared his throat. Out of curiosity, though, what, uh, what did you say to him? Nothing much. He was paying the moves on me, and I reminded him that his, I mean your, attention ought to be directed elsewhere. God, I feel terrible about that now. You couldn't have known, he bit his lip. But that's it. There's nothing else. Miranda thought a second, then shook her head. Nothing else of note. Why? Mulder picked at the chipping paint on the wall. Well, um, whatever you said, it seemed to have worked. She let him in, and when I found them, they seemed like they were getting ready to, you know. Oh my God, she squeezed his arm. How awful. Come in for a minute, and I'll make us some tea. He followed her inside, where Arabella was waiting to rub against their legs. Mulder sat on the sofa while Miranda went for the tea, and Arabella used the opportunity to wage war on his shoelaces. Hey now, he said, scooping her up. None of that. She paced back and forth across his lap, purring. You see, Miranda said, as she entered with a tray, you shouldn't underestimate your charms. Mulder scratched the cat under her soft white chin, and she greedily extended her neck. I hate to break this to you, he said, but I think your cat is just easy. I'm afraid you might be right. Miranda handed him a cup and then curled up on the opposite end of the couch. I was thinking about your problem in my kitchen, and I think that, if you look at it right, this might be the best thing that could have happened. Um, how? Now you know how she feels. She thought she was with you, right? Except it wasn't me. Scully would never let me. He broke off and shook his head. Have you ever asked? Asked? Miranda rolled her eyes with disdain that would have made Scully proud. I get it now. All this time I've been thinking you're afraid of her saying no. You're afraid she might say yes. What? That's not true. 
I never even get as far as yes in my head. How could I be afraid of it? It's true. I can see you quivering from here. Admit it. Mulder rubbed the cat as he considered the question. Okay, what if I say that I find both possibilities equally terrifying? Miranda laughed and shook her head. No such thing. You want my advice? You think hard on both situations. Live with them in your head. You spend the rest of your life as just her friend. Is it enough? Or you try for more. Believe me, one of the two will seem less awful. I don't know. I do. You'll figure it out. She reached over and plopped the cat into her own lap. And when you figure out which one it is, don't come here. Go talk to Scully. One reason Scully liked Dr. Alton was that she always let Scully put her clothes back on before delivering the bad news. So, she said, as she pulled up the rolling chair to sit next to Scully, here's the latest from your recent battery of tests. Scully busied herself refastening the buttons on her cuffs. It's not good news, is it? It's not great, no. We have not seen the tumor decrease in size as we had hoped. If anything, it's slightly larger. We can try another round of radiation. But at this point, I don't think it would do much good. Scully nodded. In the silence that followed, she could hear Dr. Alton's watch ticking. She tucked a lock of hair behind her ear. So, what do we do now? Is there something else we can try? There are a few possibilities, most of them experimental chemotherapies. You would likely have to check into the hospital for a few days so that you could be closely monitored. Also, since this is not my area of expertise... I would no longer be coordinating your care. I would keep in contact with your doctor, of course, and you could talk to me at any time, but Jacob Arden would be the man treating you. Okay. Scully was surprised by the sudden crush of abandonment that fell over her. Her throat clogged with tears. Do I... I just call him and set up the appointment? Dr. Alton rolled her chair a bit closer and rubbed her hand down Scully's back. I'll let him know you're interested, and I'll give you his number. I'm sure he'll want to set up a visit as soon as possible. All right. She drew a shuddering breath. You said you can give me his number. Do we do that now? Yep. Dr. Alton produced a card with Arden's office number printed on it. You'll have several options, and I would advise you take a day or two to think about them before you decide which one you prefer. Talk to me if you'd like. Talk to your family. Yes, I will. She stood to leave careful to give her shaky legs a chance to adjust to her weight before moving forward. Thank you. You're welcome. And I mean it about calling. Anytime, she smiled. And Scully tried to smile back. Dr. Alton squeezed her arm with strong fingers. No one's giving up, Dana. Don't you be the first. Scully's feet navigated the steps to her apartment without the aid of her brain. She felt fuzzy, disconnected, and more than a little lost. In her pocket was the card that represented possibly her last hope. She hadn't expected to exhaust her other options quite so rapidly. As she turned the corner, she saw Mulder sitting in front of her door, his long legs folded like a lawn chair. He rose when he saw her. Hey, Scully. Mulder, what are you doing here? I have something I want to talk to you about. Scully fingered the sharp edge of the card inside her pocket. Okay, come inside. There's something I need to talk to you about, too. Inside, she took off her coat while Mulder ambled around her living room, still wearing his leather jacket. He appeared quite taken with her ceiling tiles. 
Is something the matter, she asked. He jumped. Matter, no. But he did not sit down. Scully watched him fidget for another moment before walking around to the sofa. When she sat, so did he. So, she said, what is it? His leather creaked as he shifted. I was thinking about that keychain again today. You know, about how walking up on the moon must have seemed just totally impossible right up until the moment it actually happened. I mean, have you ever looked at how far away that thing is? It wasn't so long ago that we still thought it was made of cheese, and no one would ever think you could walk around on a huge block of cheese. Scully stared at him. Mulder, have you been drinking? He straightened. No, I'm talking about making the impossible possible. Scully rubbed her face with both hands, shaking her head. Mulder, I don't think I have the strength to analyze the philosophy of the moon landing with you right now. But I'm not talking about analyzing. I'm talking about making things happen. Her head hurt. She wanted her bed. Okay. It happened already. It, it happened almost 30 years ago. Can we just let it go? But Scully... It's been a long day, Mulder. At any other time, I would love to sit here and talk green cheese and space exploration with you, but I've just come from the doctors and... He leaned towards her, still trying to interrupt. Scully, no, Mulder, just this once, I need you to stop talking and listen for a second, because whatever this thing is with the moon, it can wait. I love you. That shut her up. She blinked. What? I, uh, love you. Pink tinged his cheeks, and his legs started to bounce. Uh-huh. So then, what was that about the moon and cheese and... I don't know. She ducked her head, smiling. Okay. Okay. Yeah. She snuck a sideways glance at him. I love you, too. There was a moment of total, terrible silence. He laughed, a sound filled with joy and relief, and she found herself joining in, Shaking with pent-up emotion, he grabbed her arm and tugged her hard against him, and she closed her eyes to take in his scent. Houston, he said, to the top of her head, we have liftoff. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening. And remember, the stories are out there.